Well, good morning. Welcome to Thanksgiving weekend and our second week in the series Sticks and Stones, because you've heard that sticks and stones may break your bones, but common names won't hurt you is a lie. You know, those words last far longer than any break or any type of uh, situation you're going to go through like that. Now, last week, Tyler talked about the power of words, the words we speak to ourselves, the words we speak to others, and the words that we type. Didn't Tyler do a great job, by the way? Those guys are here. He did such a good job. I appreciate, you know, uh, Tyler's love of our, you know, uh, young adults. He oversees our next-gen area and especially his input in our high school students' lives. But words have such power, you know, in our lives. And so with that, I want to kind of start off because this is something we do at uh, growing up in my house is that when it's Thanksgiving, you have to go around the table and say one thing you're thankful for. And so this is what I want you to do. Turn the person next to you. And tell them the one thing that you are thankful for. Okay, so go ahead and do that now. I'll give you about 20 seconds. Go. All right, uh, I want to welcome those of you guys who are online, you know, as well. I forgot to tell you, put it in the chat. What is the one thing that you are thankful for? So let's start in this section. What's one thing? My wife. Your wife. Love it. Oh, yeah, all the ladies, did you hear that, Joe? Oh. Okay, somebody's in this section. A Traeger? What? Family. Family works. Family with a Traeger. I like that. What about somebody in this section? Teachers. And the Dallas, no, you know, uh, so I love, I love this, you know, you guys are very, very mature spiritual people because words have such power in our lives. And uh, Thanksgiving, you know, is celebrated because uh, one of our former presidents, Abraham Lincoln, said this, now, therefore, I, Abraham Lincoln, president of the United States, do hereby appoint and set apart the last Thursday in November, next as the day in which I desire, to be obs- I desire to be observed by all my fellow citizens, wherever they may be, as a day of thanksgiving and praise, we forget this, to Almighty God, the beneficent creator and ruler of the universe. And I do further recommend all my fellow citizens, aforesaid that on that occasion, that they do reverently humble themselves in the dust and from thence offer up penitent, and fervent prayers and supplications to the great disposer of events for a return of the inestimable blessings of peace, union, and harmony throughout the land which it has pleased him to assign as a dwelling place for ourselves and for our posterity throughout all generations. Wanna, now we can clap for that, you know, that, uh, that, that took place. And that's why we celebrate Thanksgiving is, you know, is, is this proclamation, this fourth Thursday, you know, of each month, but it's not just for us to get together as family, not for us just to get together as food for food, but for us to praise our almighty, to praise God who is in heaven and to offer ourselves up to him. And you notice one of the things that he prays for that he encourages us to do is he's praying for unity, you know, blessings of peace, union and harmony throughout the land which I don't know why this didn't dawn on me earlier, but this was, he gave this proclamation in the middle of the Civil War. I, for some reason, I thought growing up in, you know, in school, I always thought it was like afterwards, like a time to unify us, but it was right in the middle, after Gettysburg, after things were not going well, it was getting worse for the country, and as a president, he says, this is what we need to focus on. 
And I start thinking about our day and age and kind of the divide that we have and what an opportunity during this Thanksgiving to recognize the power of our words to bring before God and a, a passionate plea you know, for our nation to be unified. Now, we know words have a powerful effect on us. You know this to be true. You've heard this, that uh, it takes, what, about 10 positive or compliments to equal or measure up to one negative. So you know the power of words that take place. All it takes is one negative versus 10 positive. In fact, um, we get this a lot of times even as kids. The power of words and how long it stays with us. Uh, when I was a kid growing up, uh, most of you probably don't know, I have a slight dyslexia. And uh, I didn't know that growing up either. But my brothers, uh, being brothers, they did very, school was easy for them. And school was always a struggle for me, you know, especially in elementary years until they figured out that this was kind of an issue that was going on. So my loving brothers decided to give me labels, you know, and uh, their favorite label was that I was dumb. And when you hear this as a child over and over and over, guess what? You start to believe it. And so I have recognized that the power of those words has impacted my so much that I've tried so hard in my life to show, I don't know who, my brothers, other people, that I'm not dumb. I may do dumb things, that's for sure. Um, and I have said dumb things from the stage, that's also sure. But I'm trying not to be a dumb person. And in fact, when I start feeling dumb, I feel very insecure, and I start thinking back, nobody did anything. They just said words. And those words still has an impact today. And I know that you can probably feel the same thing. You know, based on what a parent, a coach, a teacher, you know, a friend, a brother, a sister, who said something, and the power of what they said, and it's oftentimes, unfortunately, it's easier for us to remember the negative, has had great impact into our lives, even to today. There's great power in words. Uh, let me just say a couple of them on the negative side. And they're just words, but these words have impact. You are fired. You're not worth it. I'm disappointed in you. I want a divorce. I'm sorry, but you have cancer. Powerful, negative, hard words to hear. But there is an inverse to that. There's a positive. There's a something that can bring us life and meaning. It says, you got the job. You got the promotion. I'm so proud of you. Will you marry me? It's a boy. You're cancer-free. The Huskies beat the Cougars. I mean, all positive, positive things. In fact, my loving staff member, Steve, who went to WSU, decided to bet me. And so here we have a picture of Mr. Steve. Yep, this was from this morning. You know, and I just need you to know, as your pastor, that when a staff member bets, which is against the will of God, I feel it's my job to correct, rebuke, and train them into righteousness. And so oftentimes I will receive the bet knowing that the Lord will be on my side so that a lesson can be taught to other people. So it had nothing to do with the game and more had to do with the rebuke in Steve's life. And so we're just proud to be able to celebrate what's taken place in his heart, you know, on this day. Which is hilarious to me because, you know, words of meaning, you say, you say the Huskies beat the Cougars, and it brings great joy and great disgust, both at the same time. Words, you know, have meaning. See, here's what God says, once again, about the importance of words. They bring life, and they can bring death. They can bring encouragement. They can bring discouragement. They can, they can bring hope, but they can also be very, very destructive. 
words are powerful. In fact, if you think about it, uh, our entire world was created out of words. In the very beginning, it says that God didn't get a tool belt and he started, you know, know, putting this whole world together. It says that God spoke. Then he said, and such earth got created. Moon, stars, people out of words. The power that God has created in words. And Satan knows this. He knows how powerful words are, which is why his attack towards God's word was to try to misinform and change God's words, which is why in Genesis 3.1, it is when serpent comes to Eve and says, did God really say? Now, he didn't do all these things. The serpent didn't create harm and chaos in Adam and Eve's life. All he did was take this, these things called words and make them into something that, that really wasn't. Now, Satan's tool back then is still the same tool today. He loves to take and change things. He did it to Jesus when Jesus was tempted. And he says, hey, did God really say these things? Or let me, let me tell you what you should think or do. And Jesus says, no, 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 that's actually not what God's word has to say. Now, Jesus, which is amazing, is flesh to word. In other words, it's the word that becomes flesh. If you want to know the power of words, then look at the life of Jesus. Because in John chapter 1, the Bible says the very same three words that it starts at the beginning of the book. In the beginning, it says the word already existed. But he's not talking about this. He's talking about a person. The word was with God. The word was God. He existed in the beginning with God. God created everything through him, and nothing was created except through him. And then you start thinking about the life of Jesus and the power of his words, God in human form and what he was able to speak. Uh, One of the stories that comes to mind is there's this great storm, and Jesus is on this boat with his disciples, and his disciples, who are a couple of them are experienced fishermen, are freaking out because they think they're going to die. What's Jesus doing? Sleeping. Okay, so there's a different perspective in the midst of the storm that he has versus what his disciples have. So they wake him up and they just ask him, don't you care that we're going to die? And so Jesus gets up and what does he do? He rebukes the wind and the waves. In other words, he says, silence, be still. And suddenly the wind stopped and there was great calm, the power of his words. I think of another story where, you know, Jesus is told that his friends Lazarus is dead. And Mary and Martha, the sisters of Lazarus, come to him. And if you'd have been here, he would not have died. And he says, well, show me where he's laid. And Jesus weeps and, and he prays to God. And then they roll the, 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 the stone away from wherever Lazarus was buried. And Jesus does this. He shouts, Lazarus, come out. And by the power of his words, a dead man comes to life power in words. Now, now maybe the most powerful or maybe the most important is the purpose in which Jesus came. In Luke chapter 4, verse 43, Jesus says, I must preach the good news of the kingdom of God in other towns too, because that is why I was sent, to proclaim good news, to bring a proclamation to all people that on this day there can be new life that can take place in your heart and in your mind in his name, that he was going to come to an area that was darkness and bring light. And how was he going to do it? Through his words, the power of words. 
So I want you to reflect for yourself, even on this day, or even this past week, Thanksgiving always brings fun emotions for a lot of different people. Do our words reflect more life or death? Do they reflect more encouragement or discouragement? Are you more known as a person that brings life verbally into the lives of others, or are you more harsh and discouraging in the life of others? See, Psalms, Proverbs chapter 18, verse 21 says, the tongue, now talking about us, can either bring death or life. So what are your current words, if you were to be honest with yourself, revealing? In Luke 6, 45, it says, a good man brings good things out of the good stored up, notice this, in his heart. And an evil man brings evil things out of the evil stored up in his heart. For the mouth speaks what the heart is full of. This is not a verbal issue. It's a heart issue. Now, uh, growing up, this uh, may surprise you, so I'm telling stories about Danny as well. I grew up in a pastor's home, which means there was an expectation in which the pastor's kid lived, especially in the home. You'd think that I'd want to be good with my words, and I was the best I could at home. But as soon as I left the presence of my household, I was a master at flinging four-letter words that are not becoming of a pastor's kid, let alone a follower of Jesus. And so in elementary years, I found myself very loose with the tongue and rising up to the level or challenge of my friends and the people that I hung out with. But when I went into the home, I definitely tried to watch everything that I would say for fear that I'd be found out for what I was actually saying to those at school. But here's the problem. When times of stress, when times of difficulty or pain, you can only hold back what you can hold back. It's like this. You know, if you, if you have, if this, is, if this is us, you know, right here, and this represents your life and the water represents your heart, what kind of water do you have inside of you? Do you have pure water? Do you have clean water? Because what happens is, is in times of stress, that happens. It, it kind of comes out. And you're just like, oh, I couldn't help. Kenny's going to kill me. Um, uh, this for it to come out. Because when you get squeezed in life, thus reveals the heart. Now, I am not talking about a one-time incident. I'm not talking about where, you know, you drop the bomb because you got cut off in traffic, you know, or something else like that. Unless maybe I am for some of you. But, um, but I'm talking about what's a regular occurrence that takes place verbally when things are challenging. What's, what, what is the natural thing that comes out? Because actually that is the better reflection of the heart than in times of good. It's easy to have an appearance or to be positive when things are going well. It's in the stress. And so if our issue with the power of our words is more dealt with the heart than it is the mouth, then we need to recognize there's some things we need to work on in our hearts. But before we get there, I want to remind you of a couple verses. In Ephesians 4, 29, it says, Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. So I want you to understand the importance of these words, because I don't think I even realize how important this is to God, that you and I are going to be judged, not just by our actions, but we're going to be judged by our words. In fact, Jesus says this in Matthew chapter 12, make a good tree and its fruit will be good, or make a tree bad and its fruit will be bad, for a tree is recognized by its fruit. You brood of vipers, he's talking to religious leaders at the time, 
How can you who, who are evil say anything good? For the mouth speaks what the heart is full of. A good man brings good things out of the good stored up in him, and an evil man brings evil things out of the evil stored up in him. But I tell you that everyone will have to give an account on the day of judgment for every empty word that they have spoken. For by your words, you will be acquitted, and by your words, you will be condemned. Jesus understands the power of words. And our words, I think about the things that I've said to others in my lifetime. There's been some painful things, and you've done the same thing. I know it. And you can see it on that person's face. You can see it on that child's face. You can see it on that spouse's face, that friend, that coworker. And you're like, oh, I wish I could take that back. And again, it doesn't mean, don't misinterpret it. It doesn't mean this is disqualifying anyone from heaven. This doesn't mean, you know, that uh, because you said one bad thing, that all of a sudden you're not allowed to be in the presence of the King of Kings and Lord of Lords. What it is saying is to recognize that our words carry greater power than you and I could ever realize. Our words carry so much power, and you and I have an opportunity to bring life or to bring death in its various forms in the lives of those around us. May you and I pray, Psalms 19, 14, may the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart, because that's where it comes from, be pleasing to you, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. So when our heart changes, so will the consistency of our words. So here's the thing. How do I change my heart? You can't. And that's hard for us as Americans, as driven type A people. You know, how can I? I can't do it by working hard enough. There's only so much you can do to help with what's coming out of here. What you have to do is allow Jesus to change in here. And how do you do that? You spend time with him. You allow his words to become your words. You allow his spirit to lead and override even your spirit. You go to him before you want to vent to others on social media about anything or anyone. You say, let me check with Jesus and allow him to be a reflection of who I am. You're not gonna get this perfect. I am by far am not a person who's gotten this perfectly, but it is an opportunity for all of us to grow and understand the power of our words. Because may we pray this prayer when we make a mistake, like David prayed in Psalms 51. Create in me a clean heart, O God. Renew a loyal spirit within me. We can go to God and say, God, you know what? I blew it. I need your spirit once again. I need your encouragement. I need your you know, renewal of life. I need your forgiveness in my life to continue to walk this path. And he will change their hearts. I love Ezekiel eleven nineteen. He says, I will give them a singleness of heart and put a new spirit within them. I will take away their stony, stubborn heart and give them a tender, responsive heart. So how do we do this? How do we allow God's word to begin to infiltrate our hearts so that it comes out more reflective of him instead of, instead of where our natural tendency would go verbally if we were apart from him? And you know this to be true. When you, you and I spend time with God, I can reflect this in my last week. There was a couple days I did not spend time with God. And you know what was funny? My words were much more discouraging than encouraging. I saw that take place. And I'm like, obviously, Dan, when are you going to get this? You know, but it's a journey that we get a chance to go on, you know, together. 
But the power of words, imagine this. What if you started your day and you verbally said out loud truths of God instead of starting your day just looking at the news or looking at, you know, TikTok or looking at Facebook or Twitter, Instagram, or anything else, your emails, and you said, you know what, I'm going to start by proclaiming out loud these truths. Let me give you a couple of just examples. And you know, before I get into them, the greatest critic, the greatest discourager that most of us have in our lives is ourselves. Right? We have either chosen to believe what other people have said about us, what we think other people are thinking about us, or how we negatively think about ourselves, and we play that tape. Wait, it's 9.30. We play that digital download you know, uh, in our brains. You know, I, you know, 8 o'clock, they understood the tape reference. I just want to make sure I'm up with the times. You know, uh, then, <laughs> then other things in our lives, that we play this over and over and over. And, and you know what that is. If you don't, talk to somebody else. You know the thing that you say about yourself or believe about yourself or you have a hard time getting over about yourself. And there's a, a, there is a different verse that speaks truth to the lie that you've chosen to receive verbally. And you're playing that over and over. And the way that you get over that is by saying the truth out loud so that you get to hear what God's word actually has to say about the issue over and over and over and over again until you start to believe internally that which is true instead of the lie that you're holding on to. So let me give you just a few examples. I live, you can wake up and say this out loud, I live as a child of God and the evil one cannot touch me today. And you can see the verses that represent those. You could wake up and say, today I am not condemned by my sin, but have been set free by God's grace. Satan will tell you, you don't deserve it over and over and over again. You do deserve God's grace. Otherwise, Jesus would not have died for you and for me. Today, I'm going to make a difference because God prepared in advance the work that he has for me. What if you said that every day? Uh, What if you said, today, I am not anxious. I am not going to be weighed down. I have cast my burdens on the Lord, and he cares for me. And you say that out loud. Today, I am not afraid. I am not weak. I do not have a spirit of fear, but of power, love, and self-discipline. Today, I am not discouraged or defeated The joy of the Lord is my strength, and I will give thanks in all circumstances. Now, this isn't a self-help, self-empowerment, I'm good enough, smart enough, and doggone it like Tony Robbins, people love me. This is not what we're talking about. We're talking about the truth of God's word. And when you understand that there is a truth that's out there that's different than the lie that you either been told or that you believe about yourself, it changes everything. But there's something about verbalizing a truth that begins to change the heart and all of a sudden you begin to live differently. And if you can identify what that is in your life, you can become set free to live by the power of God's life-giving word in your life to start each and every day. Do you know what that is? So uh, one of the things uh, that I was taught probably about 15 years ago was also a way to do this as a prayer. And the prayer was called the how and who prayer. And it starts with this. God, how do you want to love me today? And who do you want to love through me? Imagine if you woke up every morning 
And in addition to saying that truth, you now said a second, which is I'm going to receive now the love of God as the day goes by, and I'm going to find a way to share that love. And then you finish the day by saying, God, how did you love me today? And who did you love through me today? Because today's not over yet. And you might find yourself, ooh, I got caught up in the busyness or negativity. And you have a chance to even end the day different than ever how it's going. And here's what's crazy. When I actually did this in seasons of my life, it didn't matter the circumstances of what took place in my life. God was honored. My heart changed and people's lives were changed as well. It's crazy to be able to see what God wants to do because many of us may come from a background that you have a warped theology, a warped understanding of God based on growing up that you know God loves you, but you don't think he likes you. That you know that he died for you and then that's okay, but he's distant and he must feel the same way that I feel about myself when I do things that's contrary to God's word and that's farthest from the truth. We've got to understand what does God's truth actually say about our situations and our circumstances. So if we started our day, speak and receive words of life throughout our day, the power of expressing thanksgiving and blessing. One of the most challenging and truthful verses in all the Bible when trying to decipher God's word and God's will is this, be thankful in all circumstances for this is God's will for you to belong, who belong to Christ Jesus. There is always an opportunity to give thanks. It's not just during Thanksgiving, but when things are going not good, there's always an opportunity to say my reflection is gonna be about who you are because you can work for the good of anything that's going on. Or in Ephesians chapter five, it says, be filled with the Holy Spirit. And here's one of the examples of what happens when you are filled with the Holy Spirit. You will sing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs among yourselves, and you're gonna make music to the Lord in your hearts and give thanks for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. First service, I experienced this. It's been a, been a rough you know, week or so. I don't know what kind of you know, experience. We always have weeks that are worse and better. And this has been a really hard, you know, hard, hard week. And there's something, though, about singing together. I was moved to tears in that first service. So I'm sitting over here and just singing that, God, you are good and that you are faithful and I am your child. And just singing these truths and it just moves and compels my heart towards the things of him. There's something the Holy Spirit does when we start singing together. Uh, um, I love hearing, you know, the, or understanding the power of receiving thanksgiving and blessing as well as the power of giving thanksgiving and blessing. Uh, one of the most moving parts of scripture for me anyway is, uh, is a little known section where Jesus comes to John the Baptist to be uh, baptized. And when he's baptized, he comes out of the water. It says, the spirit of God descends on him as a dove. But then it says, the voice of God says something. You know what he says? This is my son, whom I love. With him, I am well pleased. Of all things that God the Father would say to his son in front of everybody else would be this word of blessing, of affirmation, power for Jesus to receive that. And Jesus just began, this is the beginning of his, like his, his public ministry, of his, of his earthly ministry, and he's being affirmed verbally by God in front of others. I don't know what it did, because Jesus was fully human as well, what that did for his own heart and mind, but I do know that I see a reflection of this around us. Whether you're a words of affirmation type of person or not, you know that words can bring life, and when somebody brings 
a verbal affirmation of some kind into your life, it just changes things, doesn't it? Especially if it's genuine. Well, we have a men's group. And uh, um, uh, one of the things that we do once a month is we have different speakers, you know, that's part of the group that kind of present to the group, you know, um, as, as peers to one another. But one of the things that's happened over the last, you know, a couple times has been uh, an introduction. So somebody introduces, you know, the speaker, even though the speaker is one of us introduces the speaker. But what's been fascinating for me to watch is over the last three times, the person who's introducing decides to take some time to ask their family or friends some things that they love or appreciate about this man. And each time, it has moved the speaker in such a way that it was hard for the speaker to continue to talk. And all it was, was affirmation from their spouse, affirmation from their kids, maybe an affirmation from a coworker or a friend. And you could just see that that was the greatest gift and impact that that person made who was there to bring us some word of encouragement or challenge on that day. Because we forget. And maybe you grew up in a household that they held back words, right? They held back and you think there's some sort of twisted, I, I don't want my child or my spouse or to get a big head. And so I'm gonna hold that back from them as well. And you understand you're robbing life. And I'm not saying don't say things that are not true, because you go too far. You know, the person that just says everything is happy and good and just, oh, sorry, that's just me. You know, um, where you're just like, you're just a little too perky. But um, uh, for those of us who need our coffee to get going, you know, in the morning, it's, uh, it's encouraging to know that you have an opportunity every day to literally bring life into somebody else. So as you look back to this last week, honestly, anybody in your life, did you bring life to them by what you said? Did you just take a special moment, a text message, something that was thought out, a one-on-one -on -one conversation, and say, you know what? You are loved. Or here's a word from God I want to give to you. Here's what I see in you. Here's what God has revealed to me about you. And watch what life happens in that person's life. It's amazing. Another time, you know, that... Uh, Parents one day came and brought their kids to Jesus, and it was a day and age, not like our day and age, where kids should be seen and not heard, right? That never happens around here. And so uh, Jesus' disciples said, hey, we can't, we can't interrupt Jesus. He's very important. Let's not interrupt Jesus. And Jesus rebukes them verbally and says, let the kids come to me. And then it says this, then he took the children in his arms, placed his hands on their heads, and he blessed them. There is such power in a blessing. And you see this in the Old Testament as well as through the New. So many times where a father would bless his kids. That there'd be this, almost this, this transference of this is what I see in you. This is what you're going to become. And I think we've lost some of that nuance in our culture at different points in kids' lives. You know, that when they go into their teenage years, that like um, we did this for, for our boys, you know, when they got to that age of 13, got some men around them and, and just spoke things into their lives as these young teenagers becoming young men. And what does that look like? And young gals, you know, what does that look like to become young women? And what are we speaking, you know, into their lives? Because they're going to remember that forever as we speak these blessings. And Jesus knew the power of blessing, which is why he would rebuke his disciples and say, no, let the children come. Because in fact, for us to enter the kingdom of God, we gotta become more like them. And so I wanna bless them. And he lays his hands and he blesses them. 
And so we're going to do a time, as you know. This is a child dedication you know, service. And in this service, I think there's like 8 or 10 or 12 of those of you parents. I want to encourage you, even right now, to go ahead and you can head on out to go ahead and start grabbing your kids. Uh, we're going to have a song in just a minute. So you will have, you know, I think 3 minutes and 30 seconds is what they say. But if you need a little more time than 3 minutes and 30 seconds, I want you to be able to go ahead and grab your kids. Because we're going to do this in front of us today. I want you to see, I want you to experience, and I want you to feel what these parents are verbally saying about their kids and what we get to be a part of as a congregation as they go and get their children. You know, the greatest life that you can bring into somebody else's life is when we share Jesus Christ. When we share the good news. For it says in Romans 10.9, if you declare with your mouth... You declare with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead. You will be saved, for it is with your mouth or your heart that you believed and are justified, and it's with your mouth that you profess your faith and are saved. There is something powerful about words that even Jesus says there needs to be a declaration out of our mouths of what we've chosen to believe. And as we share, maybe this is your opportunity this Thanksgiving to say, yeah, I believe Jesus ratches it up even further in Luke chapter 12. He says, I tell you the truth. Everyone who acknowledges me publicly on earth, the son of man, Jesus will acknowledge in the presence of God's angels. But anyone who denies me here on earth will be denied before God's angels. There is something important about verbally proclaiming, I believe. Now, Billy Graham, you know, took this and made this very popular and created what's called the sinner's prayer. So there's no prayer, the sinner's prayer is actually mentioned in the Bible, but his reference is right on. What he's trying to do is create an opportunity for people to say, in my heart, I am releasing my life to the, to, to, to the Holy Spirit, being guided by his word, proclaiming Jesus as Lord, and with my mouth, I'm going to actually testify to that truth. And so we have that opportunity to do so. And maybe today, whether you're watching online or you're here in the room, that this is going to be your opportunity. In Luke, uh, uh, I mean, it, uh, one other thing is if you're already a follower of Jesus, here's what kind of astounds me. Uh, when we get to heaven, you know what's going to happen? Jesus is going to say something to us. And as we've received him, he's going to say, well done, good and faithful servant. Like, wow, that the words that are going to come out of Jesus' mouth is going to be an affirmation of our surrender to him on this life and how we lived for him. But how we live for him doesn't happen until our heart is changed for him and we verbalize that with other people. Guys, my encouragement for you today and even this moment right now is that you would take time during this prayer, during the song, but before you leave the parking lot, that you will text someone something that will bring them life in Jesus' name. That you have the power. Don't just listen to a message and walk away knowing like, yeah, wow, I got power. I got, this is awesome. I'm gonna pray every morning, that kind of stuff. Don't leave here without the opportunity that God has presented to you to speak life in Jesus' name to someone else. If you can do it verbally, great. I just know that text message can be one of those things that can surprise somebody else that God brings to your mind. 
It could be someone that you haven't even thought of. This is the craziest part because I've already seen it happen in the first service. That that's what the Holy Spirit does. All of a sudden, you're just praying, God, who do you want me to speak life into? You're like, boom, somebody comes on. I haven't thought about that person in years. Guess what? That's the Holy Spirit leading you to bring life to that person that could lead to another conversation that could mean real life or real change in that person's life for all eternity. You never know the power of words. May we be known as people, as individuals who follow Jesus by what we say consistently, knowing that God's grace and forgiveness covers the rest. Let's pray. Jesus, thank you so much for the power of words that we can have in our lives. I pray you would lead, guide, challenge, and direct our steps as we lift this up to you now. I pray you would just draw people to yourself. And if you're here right now, whether you're watching online or in the room and you're ready to declare in your heart that you just repeat this in your own heart and mind after me, Jesus, I receive you as my Savior, knowing you died on the cross for my sins. Teach me what it means to be Lord. I pray you would have the courage to share that with someone else. Father, just allow us to receive that we are your children and that because we are son and daughters of the King of kings and Lord of lords, that we have that same power to bring life in the lives of others. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen.